Hey guys, Matt here. Just want to say a couple quick things before we get to this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. First, um, you'll notice in this episode that we are talking uh, about pretty outdated news. Um, this episode was recorded on Halloween night with Fekus, and at the time, um, Kevin Spacey's allegations had just broken, and uh, so instead of just cutting this discussion out, uh, because at the time we were kind of talking about the future of House of Cards and the implications of, of Netflix announcing its final season and everything, um, that's all pretty out of date, but um, and it's not current, but I'm going to keep it there just for posterity and everything. We'll have a more up-to-date discussion in a future episode regarding the allegations that are spreading all across Hollywood, including uh, Louis C.K.'s whole thing and everyone... Uh, all, all the stuff that's going on. So I uh, just wanted to give you that caveat before we get into this episode of the podcast. And also, just as a quick reminder, we are still doing the uh, contest for the free Obsessive Viewer t-shirt. Um, by doing that, all you got to do is by December 31st at midnight, send me an email at matt at obsessiveviewer.com with a screenshot of your iTunes or Stitcher review. Uh, to be entered into the contest on January 1st. I'll pick a random uh, selection from the entries, and they will get a free Obsessive Viewer t-shirt. Once again, just send us a screenshot to matt at at obsessiveviewer.com, and uh, and yeah, we will get that uh, entered into the contest. So without further ado, here is mine and Fekus's uh, review of Blade Runner 2049 and our outdated discussion about Kevin Spacey and the uh, sexual assault allegations. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter, and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. this hello hello and welcome to the obsessive viewer hello and welcome to the obsessive viewer we're a weekly movie and tv podcast that covers a specific topic be it genre trope movie or show each episode you can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer where you can also join the facebook group and you can find more of obsessive viewers podcasts at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Horror Movie Yearbook, which you can find at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. Horror Movie Yearbook is a horror movie-centric podcast, which is fitting because we're actually recording this on Halloween, um, that takes a few different horror movies um, and contextualizes them to the with the year that they were released and uh, reviews them based on the current events and pop culture of that year and their opinions on the movies. Uh, they recently just did an episode all about horror movies in the year 2007, um, which included... Uh, uh, reviews of Hostel 2 uh, and uh, The Mist, which The Mist is one of my favorites uh, from Darabont. And uh, yeah, so find that at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And thank you to Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. It is much appreciated. 
And this week on the podcast, I know that it has been a bit of a dry spout for us, uh, or dry spell for us in terms of releasing content, so I apologize. Uh, October was a huge month. Uh, we did Sharktober in Irvington, and then also Tiny got married. Yay! Yay! So he is enjoying some time off uh, for, you know, newlywedy stuff. Um, and yeah, so Fekus is here with me. Hello! Uh, hi! How's it going? Good, good. Happy good. Halloween. Uh, happy Halloween. Yes, this is going to go up later this week, but that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, yeah, uh, we are recording trick or treaters this. today? I didn't. That's one of the good I'm things I'm not about. shocked by that at all. Yeah. Are you shocktobered by it? Stop. <laughs> anyway, I do need to release the Sharktober episode also. Um, yeah, I've been I've been busy this month. Not as busy as Tiny because I didn't get married or anything, but <laughs> I've just been busy with video games really but anyway that's okay um it is okay thank you um tell that to the patreon supporters um, oh yeah of which you're not one which is interesting because i don't know if you know this fecus but you can become a patron of the obsessive viewer at oh. patreon.com slash obsessive viewer okay yeah okay that's good yeah good good to know uh-huh. yeah I'll buy a shirt. I swear to God. Okay, I'm good. Buy a shirt. Good. I'm actually really excited because I think I'm going to buy like my whole family just shirts for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, screw it. I'm getting two bucks for each one of these. That's fine. So, yeah. Which, speaking of which, uh, we actually got a new logo, which I'm super excited about. Have you seen it? I probably have. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Let me pull it up here. Get your uh, get your hot take on it. Um. Nope, that's the old logo. No, oh, well, that one was um, awful anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. It we was have great. several different logos, all of varying degrees of hotness. Uh, I was gonna say disappointment. Oh. <laughs> okay, it's gonna be kind of small, so you'll have to. Oh, that's what she said. <laughs> Which one is it? It's oh. the one that says obsessive number viewer. six. I like it. I like it a yeah. lot, actually. It's, it's good. Ni- it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It looks good on a sticker, which you can buy at tpublic.com on our tpublic store. Um, also, so yeah, I'm going to get shirts for all my family with that. And then the next year I won't have a family because they'll disown me. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, today on the podcast, we are going, we are going to be reviewing uh, the latest Denis Villeneuve film, Blade Runner 2049. And we're going to also obviously talk a little bit about Blade Runner itself. and uh, But before all that, we're actually going to go into a little bit of discussion about some news that hit uh, this week. Uh, but even before that, Fekus, I want to uh, get your reaction to this year's Shocktober in Irvington, because you were in attendance. I had a great time, as always. Nice. I thought all the films were interesting. I, I especially liked the uh, films from the local guy. Well, I guess they're all local. <laughs> but the but the guys that submit to the other competition. 48-hour film project? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed those films. Nice. So. They're, they were from uh, Fair Creek Films. And they... Yeah. Uh, they're a good, good bunch of guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And of course, uh, like the, it's very interesting to me that the other filmmaker has this mm-hmm. entire universe. JP. Yeah. yeah. That, that he's created, which is, it, it, that's awesome. Good for him. But oh, yeah. yeah. Had a great time again. One awesome nice. baby Groot pop. You did. Which you is did. awesome because I collect the pops, me and the wife mm-hmm. do. So nice. It was very fitting for us. Nice. When you, when you wanted, you said, I feel like this is, the, I was meant to win this. 
uh, when you when you won. That's what you said something like that to that's, me. Sounds like something I would say. Yeah, and then uh, I was like, yeah, I agree. And it's funny because I bought that. I bought two two of them for some reason i don't remember and then i was like you know what i'll just give one away at at shocktober um and then i kind of had to um rationalize it by saying like oh it's scary how cute groot is it was good though i like that yeah Yeah. nice nice there should be a pub crawl after next year oh that would be good yeah there's gonna be a cash bar yeah yeah, yeah. that that good too mm-hmm. yeah basically i'm just trying to incorporate drinking in every aspect sure, of my life sure so. we actually have we actually i don't want to jump the gun a little bit but we could we will have a uh likely have a sponsor for the cash bar so Ooh, yes fancy. um so if you like to drink and you come to shocktober and irvington you could be uh uh, it could be a, a geek filled thing so you could be technically geeking in indiana if you were to uh, to drink at Sharktober, because that's see, a, I see what happened. That's a that's a little hint of of the sponsor. Anyway, um, that was really only for Tony's benefit. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so that's good. I'm glad you had fun, and we had a great a great uh, night. We were actually able to raise a little over four hundred dollars for the Irvington Historical Society. That's good times. So yeah, so definitely definitely awesome. Irvington is just a charming little area. It is. It's super cool. Oh yeah. I, I quite I like whenever I'm around there I feel like I need to go hang out around there a little bit more. Oh, me too. And it's like they're super friendly because like I go there and I'm just like, hey, I have flyers for this thing that I'm doing. <laughs> Can I put it up? And they're like, oh yeah, totally. What is it? And they're super friendly and super helpful and it's stuff. Like a less pretentious broader pool. Yes, that is that's uh, I can get behind that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it seems a little more like. Uh, wholesome, not yeah. wholesome. No, no, kind of close knit. Yeah, thing. yeah. Wholesome, anyway. wholesome works. Yep. And uh, yeah, what do you think of the new venue? By the way, it's a little cramped, mm-hmm. but it's still a nice venue. Nice. And it sounds like it's going to work out better for you guys anyway. So. Oh, absolutely, and it's it's uh, exciting because next year they're going to actually we're going to have a cap at like we're going to only be able to sell seventy eight seventy five oh, really? tickets. Yeah. I think it is but, also a a testament to how much it's, it's grown since you guys first started mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That the oh, fact totally. that you're cramping an entire facility. Yeah. So oh, yeah. that's bravo. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And the hope, hopefully the, I don't know if I'll even include this in the recording cause, uh, you know, this is a little inside baseball, but the hope is that we would be able to facilitate two nights. Oh, so that's oh. the, that's the hope. Um, Maybe not next year, but maybe the year after. But well, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, shocktoberinervington.com. Uh, check that out, which is actually exciting because I actually finally uh, just moved because shocktoberinervington.com went to a shocktoberinervington page on obsessiveviewer.com, which left a lot to be desired because yeah. I'm not a web designer or anything. So I just went ahead and just moved shocktoberinervington.com to go straight to the Facebook page for Shocktober and Irvington. That'll so, work. That's, that's all yeah, you need. Uh, that'll be perfect. So anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't. there's no good way to transition. No good segue here. Not no. at all. So going on to, before we get into our review, um, there's been a lot of news. And I actually kind of toyed with the idea of doing like a an, an entire episode dedicated to uh, it's still not all the shit idea. that's going yeah, on I mean, right 
because it's just a massive amount of stuff. All the stuff with Harvey Weinstein. Um, if you're listening to this in the future and you're not sure where we're at in the the goings on of Hollywood, basically, it came to light through a New York Times article um, probably three weeks ago um, that Harvey Weinstein, like they did a huge expose about how he was sexually assaulting numerous women in Hollywood like systematically. Systematically, yes, using his his leverage as a as a as a huge producer in Hollywood to uh, uh, grope women and assault them. And I think there's been a couple of allegations this of just outright rape. rape. Yeah. yeah um, Which apparently it must not have been that big of a secret within the Hollywood community because no. you see like jokes about it, like mm-hmm. Seth MacFarlane making a joke about it at one of the Oscars. Right. And it's just like, yep. how do you, how do you guys know so much about this and how does it take so long for this to come to light? Yeah. It's, well, that's that's the interesting thing about and it. I, and, and I am not victim blaming. I, right, right. When I say that, that is not a, a, a knock to the victims. Mm-hmm. That's a, a knock to the industry that apparently has felt yes. okay with keeping this sort of thing mm-hmm. under under tight lips. And it's not even necessarily that. It's the threat of litigation. It's yeah. the threat of, of lawsuits. Like I remember – like I, I actually remember about a year ago the – I remember reading um, – Point by point, the exact account that Ashley Judd had in the in the New York Times uh, piece, stating that that uh, Harvey Weinstein took her up to um, his hotel room, I think, and and tried to get her to get naked in front of him or something to that effect when she was just starting out. I remember like a year ago reading that exact thing, but she couldn't she couldn't say his name. She couldn't. She said it was just Over a high powered exec- executive. Exactly, because yeah. if you say anything in Hollywood. You know, you'll spend the next several years of your life fighting a a libel or slander lawsuit in court, and that's just such a, such a messy. Yeah. Well, messy it's thing. it's a shame that the repercussions for his systematic sexual assaults mm-hmm. is loss of money and okay, now I'm going to sex rehab at this plush, yeah. exotic resort. Right. You know, when every, you know, normal people mm-hmm. go to jail for that sort of thing. Right. And rightfully so. And there are, I've, I've read that, the, and I don't know how, like, I don't know how likely any of this would, would come about, um, but there are um, investigations being launched by, by LAPD and, I think I think someone in the UK is also investigating him for criminal charges and everything. Um, but he's also like he's banned from the Producers Guild of America. Like his career is over. Well, the thing um, is, obviously, this was not known to the general public, but this was known to the industry. Yeah. Apparently, they had contracts with actresses and films that he was producing. Mm-hmm. Where it was a matrix system of the amount of money that they were paying out, paying out for each sexual harassment complaint, Jesus. which it went from like twenty five thousand mm. to fifty thousand to seventy five to one hundred thousand, mm. and after that it was a straight one hundred thousand shots every time he had the sexual complaint mm-hmm. under that specific project. No. How fucked up is that? Yeah, oh, like yeah. that's in a contract that hey, you know our guy he's pretty hands on, so if he slaps your ass, is what you're gonna get, right? And it's. So it could not have been a huge secret within that industry. Oh, absolutely not. So absolutely it, it's not. horrifying mm-hmm. that apparently they're like, well, I get he's super powerful in this industry. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is how we're going to deal with it. He's going to lose money on it, which right. that'd be like, like if I were to walk up to a girl and, and 
grab her inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, you now owe her a dollar. Okay, here you right. go. So that, that's no punishment to him. Hell, he probably found a way to write that off in his taxes. Probably, yeah. And it's uh, it's such a just shitty thing. And what makes me... I don't even know if I'd want to even say optimistic, but I kind of, it's kind of refreshing or, or um, maybe not refreshing, but it's, it's a hope. It makes me a little more optimistic that, you know, it's not just Harvey Weinstein. There's right. that Joe something. I don't remember his name, but the skeevy director who's, who uh, has like 15 women that have, that have alleged him to basically, try to get him try to get them to have sex with him because he's a director um like james gunn wrote this really great like long facebook post about how uh like the day after this guy i can't remember his name but after he was uh after his allegations came to light and everything this is a different guy he was like um yeah i have friends who've been sexually assaulted by this guy oh it was a uh, i think it's james toback is the director um, yeah, James Toback, he, uh, so James Gunn said like, yeah, he is, uh, you know, I have close friends who, in women that I've dated in the past who've said that they, he like have said very similar stories of very similar accounts that he's, that he's assaulted them in different ways, um, that always have the same kind of similarities between them, between the stories. Um, and he said that the reason why he didn't, he didn't say anything about it was because, uh, I think he said it was because it wasn't his place. And also there's, there's lawsuits that, and everything. And there's that whole thing. It's just, it's just, it's just disconcerting that there's this level of, um, quiet about it. Right. And yeah, yeah, like the people that were victimized by this, you can't blame them because you're looking at a situation where, you come out and you try to allege that the most one of the most powerful men in the industry mm-hmm. has done some. You have the potential to just throw your career yeah. away, and you you have to weigh that. I was like, well, do I throw my career away or put up with this one incident so I can keep working in in the uh, industry that I love? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's or hor- even yeah, and even if you're if like someone's just starting out and then they ha- they experience something like that, they think, okay, well, this is just how it is, and then they yeah, get this right. warped. View and then you have situations like uh, Corey Feldman. I can't remember when this was, but I saw the clip where he was on, I think, The View or something, and he was talking like he's like he has been a big um, proponent of of like like exposing this uh, Hollywood sexual harassment machine and and even pedophilia and everything because he was victimized himself as a kid. Which I buy that. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. And then he there's a clip of him on The View or whatever, and Barbara Walters. Is she says something to the effect of, because he's he's talking about how we need to we need to you know expose these people and and expose what's going on and then Barbara Walter said like you're ruining an entire industry, and it's just like like <laughs> what because um, that, that's because that's the concern exactly, uh, but um, but all of that being said, uh, recently it was. Uh, reveal or uh, Anthony Rapp, the actor from from Rent, and he's currently on Star Trek Discovery. He um, he came forward and said that when he was a fourteen when he was fourteen years old on Broadway, he was sexually assaulted by Kevin Spacey when Kevin Spacey was twenty six, and they were both working together on the same play. Um, 
so the story that he his allegations say that he that they were at a party and then people left and then uh, since he was only fourteen he was just you know he found a bedroom and was watching TV and then Kevin Spacey came in um, inebriated and got on top of him and tried to uh, have him sexually is what is what Anthony Rapp said uh, so the fallout of that is that um. Uh, not maybe not necessarily the fallout of that, but in the next day, Netflix announced that season six of House of Cards will be the last season. Um, and then just today, uh, they announced that um, season season six of House of Cards, the production of it, has been postponed indefinitely while they uh, while they uh, investigate and, and you know uh, address concerns from cast and crew and, and kind of get a feel for it, which I. Now that I'm like, the more I think about it, that's I mean that's the smart move from no, from Netflix, and, and I I applaud that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, to say that they're canceling the show, I, I think I, I feel like it was probably going to be the last season anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't think that was, you know, a, I don't applaud them for that because I think that was an eventuality. Mm-hmm. But to stop production on one of your most property, mo, mo, one of your most popular properties mm-hmm. and your uh, flagship property, right? Yeah, because that was the first Netflix series to ever mm-hmm. debut. I'd say I say bravo on that. It's like well done. Yeah, I agree, and it's funny because the House of Cards is. I would probably say House of Cards uh, is one of the big reasons why the obsessive viewer exists. Because I had read that oh Netflix is going to start making TV shows. This is amazing, and then like part of that was why I started the blog, which is what turned into the podcast, and then turned into three podcasts and. Uh, and a cat. So um, <laughs> I also I also think that the success of House of Cards really led to Netflix's production company. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to oh, yeah. to have such a hit off the right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Where it's, would Netflix be without mm-hmm. without it yep. right now? So they started with House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, and Hemlock Grove. Which Hemlock Grove yeah, wasn't that, was, that well received. I didn't, but yeah, it, I was gonna say I yeah. don't remember hearing anything fantastic about it. But. but I think it had a little bit of a cult following because it? it had that kind of. It was a you know a horror show or genre horror genre or horror drama um, with Eli Roth's name kind of thrown behind it. So it, it had this following. It just wasn't as successful. Right. But um, but yeah, with House of Cards and and Orange is the New Black, I mean that's why Netflix is the giant that it is now. But I I do agree with you that I think that the announcement that it was uh, that season six would be the last was um, our friend Sam posted in the in the Facebook group and said that it was uh, likely a timing thing uh, that the timing was the only thing that factored into it. Yeah, the, I agree with that. That uh, it did, which I, I agree. But the um, the kind of concern that I had, which I posted this in the Facebook group, and I'll, I'll get to the responses here in a bit. But um, okay, so the question that I posited in the Facebook group was: even though Netflix, from my understanding, hasn't stated specifically that House of Cards is ending because of the allegations against Spacey, uh, this brings up an interesting question: when something like this happens, when the lead in a movie or show is alleged to have done something heinous, is it the responsibility of the network slash streaming service slash etc. Uh, to cancel the project entirely, is that necessarily the right thing to do, or is it an overreaction to shift focus away from any higher ups' potential knowledge of their employees' behavior slash past behavior? Um, which that's something that I, I was thinking about pretty much well, all day today. Here, here, this is just specific to this scenario. Mm-hmm. I, I would find it hard to believe that any of the higher ups at Netflix 
had any knowledge of this. I mean, th- right. this is a situation that happened, what, 30, yeah, 30, 30 some odd years, years ago. ago. Yeah. So to to think that the higher ups had any idea that this even happened, I think is, right. I, I think that's not very plausible. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it bears any responsibility on them to have known that Kevin Spacey committed this, this act. Right. They, you know, the production company also has a responsibility to investigate the allegations further as well. Mm-hmm. So, and again, not calling the uh, the victim a liar. I'm just saying right. that allegations, it's a serious allegation, needs to be investigated. Right. So I, I think given the scenario, I think what they've done is putting a – putting the show on hiatus mm-hmm. that's the correct move right now yeah and i and i agree i kind of had some concerns because if and this is purely hypothetical and likely not the not the case but if if canceling the show was in reaction to the allegations then that just makes me think like is it is it right to to put hundreds of people out of work because of the past behavior of one person who is integral to the show there's no other way around it um and then i kind of had that concern also with the uh, postponing the or suspending the production indefinitely. But thinking more about it, it's like that I can see Netflix's strategy in doing that or their, their um, thought process in doing that. Because from my perspective, they, I'm sure that they would probably like to have very private conversations with the members of the cast and crew. Sure. See if there is any, like it, make sure that they, if there is anything within the production that's, not to say not to say that Kevin Spacey could potentially be like a predator that is a serial predator because this is the only allegation that's been leveled against him. But in the event, like I'm sure that Netflix is going to do their due diligence to make sure that everyone in the production is comfortable and, and heard. Right. Um, no, I mean, yeah. there's no easy answer. There's no easy mm-hmm. path in any of this. But right now, I think they're they're making some good steps. Mm hmm. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It's you know Kevin it Spacey's is. always been one of my favorite actors, and I I hate to see this. Me too. It, it totally uh, taints my perception of Ke- Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the, and this is probably more gossipy than we like to be here on the Obsessive Europe, but um, Kevin Spacey's uh statement after the allegations came out did you hear about that i well i saw that he came out and said that he he kind of used this as a springboard to come out as gay right which i don't know i have always just kind of assumed that kevin spacey yeah. was gay well it's always been very he's always been very private about his right. personal and life, which is that's that's great perfectly fine right yeah. um what i th- what kind of makes me mad is i i feel like now this whole scenario is equating pedophilia with homosexuality, which, which makes me so mad because that, Mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be some, some assholes out there Mm -hmm. that are far right or religious and be like, see, we told you homosexuality and pedophilia are one and the same. So this statement to me has been a detriment to the, uh, the LGTB movement. Right. So I, no, I was not a fan of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's almost copying out of yeah. of anything by saying, it was like, "Well, you know, I guess I'm, I'm gay now." It kind it kind of seems like it was 
<laughs> maybe this is more me thinking he's more Frank Underwood than than Kevin Spacey at this point. But it kind of seemed like an almost calculated thing. Like the actual statements. Oh, I'm sure it was calculated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it was a Twitter statement, wasn't it? I I don't know if it was on Twitter. Well, or what it, it was. It, it was regardless. Media. Yeah. Regardless, any time a statement yeah. comes out after an allegation like this, it's calculated. Right, but I mean, like. When like because the actual statement said that he he doesn't remember it in right. he is deeply sorry for for what would be an extremely inebriated thing which a lot of people took kind of uh, offense at that like that doesn't excuse no, you know course. assaulting it, and it doesn't no right. way at all excuses right and then the fact that he used it as a platform to come out publicly as as gay kind of seemed like trying to shift the, Sh- the shift focus. the focus onto yeah. Onto something else entirely, and you know, coming from a guy that's been drunk many a times, <laughs> never has it come across my mind as well. I'm drunk, better sexually assault somebody, right? Yeah. So I, to tell me you're drunk, it, I don't care. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's, it's no excuse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hor- yep. just horrible, horribleness, and that's in Hollywood. Horribleness yep. in Hollywood. Horribleness in Hollywood. Hopefully, uh, this. Kind of opens the opens the gates more to more people feeling comfortable coming forward with any type of uh, allegations or anything that they that they uh, any experiences that they've had that they they hopefully this makes people feel more comfortable with coming forward sure. with, with what has happened to them and I just do want to read a few uh, Twitter or Facebook group posts and then we'll get on to our review. Um, Friend of the show, Matt Quiet, said, you do have to keep in mind that Spacey is an executive producer and probably has a contract that stipulates what can and cannot be done with the show without his consent. For instance, he may not be able to be written out unless he agrees. Canceling the show, however, is often outside the producer's control. I'm assuming it's likely that for Netflix, it's much easier to cancel for now than to fight Spacey over control of the show, which is something that I never really considered. No, and that's a good Um, point. Yeah, which, I mean, obviously you can't, Regardless, you can't you can't write Kevin Spacey out of House of Cards. He is House of Cards. Yeah, replace him. Um, sure. sure. Um, but that's an interesting point that they would just no. Yeah, I, it's, like I said, there, there is no good path no. in any of this. Yeah. Yep. You just got to take the the best of the worst scenario, best of the bad scenarios. Right. Right. And so a fairly recent listener, Biz, said, I definitely think higher-ups in many of these higher-profile cases are attempting to cover up their own complicity at this point. And while their motivation is self-serving, I still think it's the right thing to do. This kind of behavior has become so embedded in our culture in all industries. Ask me about sexual harassment slash assault in the scientific community uh, because of the complete lack of consequences. So, yeah. Like, generally speaking, I don't think they're wrong, mm-hmm. but in this, no, I, I think that's incorrect because I, I really don't think that the higher-ups are complicit or aware of Kevin Spacey's specific incident here. Yeah. But and, I think generally speaking, mm-hmm. yes, I think that's that's correct. I think the higher-ups have been very complicit in, in covering mm-hmm. up these types of scenarios and behaviors. Right. But yes. specifically in this, in this specific case, one. I think that's not right. Yeah. Yeah, unless it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say something that would just be more like completely pointless to to say because nothing has come to light to this effect. So anyway, um, yeah. But Harvey Weinstein, that situation, no, obviously, that, yeah. right? Yes, that's yeah. 
Um, and then Patreon supporter Matt and Draco said, I've also lost, uh, I've also just lost interest in the show. I barely made it through the last season and now I haven't made myself watch the current one. Um, so that's, that's his take on House of Cards. Um, and then longtime listener Yasmin said, I wasn't even going to bother watching the final season since the last season was so boring, but I do think it's the responsibility of networks to cancel the shows to prove to any other predators out there that there are consequences finally. Um, not a, not a bad, not a bad, uh, statement. Yep. Yep. I agree. And, uh, and then she also went on to say that, uh, uh, she's so glad that it's, that everything that's going on in Hollywood has emboldened, uh, women in other industries to speak up in the UK. Quite a few politicians are now being exposed for assaulting women, Good, which is very good. It's it's, coming to light. It's so, it's terrible how prevalent apparently this, this is. It's just, it's sad that it's 2017 and we're celebrating the fact that women are coming, are able to come forward right. safely. Uh, in, ma- in major industries where you feel like people like Hollywood's an industry where it's an industry of people having a voice like this yeah. artistic voices being heard. Right. But apparently nobody gives two shits that, mm-hmm. you know, some poor actor or actress was sexually assaulted by a right. powerful Film mogul. It. Ugh. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Curtis said the show was losing steam because Frank reached his goal, which I, I agree. He has much, he was much better screen. He was much better scheming, uh, to get where he wanted. Don't know if Spacey did it or not, but it's disconcerting that one allegation can derail things without proof. Now he's, he has a fair point mm-hmm. and, but it's, first of all, it's these these types of cases, proof is very hard to come by, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about a case that's thirty some odd years old. Right, but it's not like Kevin Spacey is exactly denying that it happened. Right. Yeah. So he, like, I, I agree with him. It, mm-hmm. it, for someone to be able to come out and say this happened to me thirty some odd years ago, and th- this has this is having major ramifications, as you said earlier, mm-hmm. could have ramifications to people that have. Probably never even met Kevin Spacey, right? Uh, you know, some grip on the show or yeah. some stand-in. I don't know, but it is somewhat concerning that this much can come from one man's statement, right? But not not saying that what he said is true, right? And I'd and if I were a bet man, I think we all know that Robert Feckus is a bet man. Mm-hmm. I'd put my money on that it probably happened. Yeah, yeah. From yeah, I, I'm. I'm not one to disbelieve the statement or anything. I, I I do, in my opinion, think that it likely did happen. I there's no way to prove it without Kevin sure. Spacey outright saying, "Hey, yeah, I you know." And, I th- and this is why th- this. these types of cases are mm-hmm. are they're they're so difficult uh, mm-hmm. to manage because the uh, there's so little evidence sometimes that something. Mm-hmm actually happen a lot of times it'll come down to uh one person's word against another's yeah and that's one thing that i am kind of uh that i've thought a lot about in the last couple weeks since since all the stuff has happened with harvey weinstein and james toback and now kevin spacey um that like now it seems like like we are in a culture where it's social media is like like word spreads like wildfire um statements get caught into the internet hive mind and, and things get blown up 
into just huge things that everyone's talking about. Like the water cooler is now the internet yeah. <laughs> and it's worldwide. So my thought is it would be far too easy for someone, not to say anyone that has come forward is doing this, but hypothetically another person could say, hey, X person did this to me and then they go viral if it had never happened. Like it just seems like there's – this outrage i don't know what i'm trying to say or if it, i don't know how it's going to come across but well, it just seems like it'd be easy si- for someone situations to, like this yeah. it makes it easier for someone to take advantage of yes. the situ- situation uh take for example harvey weinstein and bill cosby mm-hmm. uh both of these men i believe are monsters right. and sexual predators but i think amongst the plethora of genuine allegations there's Mm. probably a couple of false allegations sprinkled in there from people that are trying to take advantage of something sure you know as a police officer i see you see this a lot Mm. and it's disconcerting because it takes away from the legitimacy of the Mm -hmm. actual victims but people try to take advantage of situations and unfortunately it's just something you have to deal with in in scenarios like this yeah yep i still think that bill cosby raped a bunch of women and i think that harvey weinstein Weinstein sexually mm-hmm. assaulted and or maybe raped people too. So mm-hmm. I, I think they're both horrible human beings. But right. I also think that some people try to take advantage of mm-hmm. what is going on. Yeah. So. It kind of reminds me of that thing about the the actor from the league who it came out like a couple years ago that he had he told a story when he first moved to Hollywood about how he was in one of the towers on nine eleven and then like that's just a story that he told, and then it came out like a couple years ago that he, he was not even anywhere near the towers on nine eleven. He just made it up. What an idiot! Yeah, it's just like oh, what was his name? Uh, I can't remember. It was one of the guys from the league, but uh, yeah. So it's I mean, unfortunately, things do happen like that. Yeah. But another yeah. example, non celebrity related. Uh, mm-hmm. A few years ago in Indiana at the state fair, we had a uh, concert venue collapsed amidst oh, yeah. a uh, a large storm mm-hmm. there was dozens of people injured that mm-hmm. you know rightfully filed lawsuits against the uh state fairgrounds for not ushering people out you know what whatever people were sued over this mm-hmm. well two women yeah uh s- put their names under these lawsuits as well and filed lawsuits and it turns out they weren't even there Right. So they saw their saw an opportunity right. to to make them. So unfortunately, it happens. People right. are gonna try to take advantage of horrible situations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but fortunately, things are coming to light that hopefully this hopefully hopefully Harvey Weinstein gets you know some kind of criminal charges filed against he him won't. in some way. I would hope that he, he would though. He will not. Ugh. Well, hopefully he loses all of his money and he won't. Yeah. Hopefully he steps on a Lego or something. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't have – even for, for a police officer, this is horrible to say. Mm-hmm. But there's a different set of justice mm-hmm. for the super rich in this country mm-hmm. than there is for your everyday person. Harvey Weinstein is beyond rich. Mm-hmm. He will get sued and it will not dent his riches. He'll never be working in Hollywood again, probably. Mm-hmm. But he'll live a comfortably rich life to, to the end of his days. Unfortunately. Well, that sucks. You, yes. you see that he, uh, 
uh, an associate of his offered Rose McGowan a million dollars, not to say anything about him raping her. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. So hopefully he steps on all the Legos. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, – we could talk more about this, but I don't want to, you know, depress uh, the world any more than it already is. Um, so Blade Runner. Blade <laughs> So for an optimistic look at the future. Yeah, exactly. So so as we're talking about a uh dystopia I don't know, I can't do it. Anyway. Um yeah, so Blade Runner. Uh Blade Runner twenty forty nine came out. We're gonna be reviewing that here in just a moment, I promise. Uh first let's talk about nineteen eighty Blade Runner, um by Ridley Scott with Harrison Ford and, um, oh my God, why can't I remember? Uh, Rutger Hauer. Edward James Olmos. And Edward James Olmos. Uh, Daryl Hannah. Oh yeah. I, uh, I, Edward James almost forgot. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Super proud of that. Of uh, anyway, so, uh, Fekis, how did you feel about the original Blade Runner? Um, the original Blade Runner. Now I've only seen one of the like five cuts yeah. of Blade Runner, and I, I've seen the Ridley Scott final cut, mm-hmm. which I understand is like the definitive version. Well, it, I it, think in my experience, whatever the director tells me is the definitive version, that's what I'm going to watch is the definitive version because okay. it's his piece of work. Sure, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion and take on it. So yes, uh, the final cut is the uh, the only one that I ever watched. Blade Runner is a uh, fairly slow movie, but I appreciate it for, first of all, it's, it's vision, especially uh, back in the late 70s of a fairly accurate portrayal of what the future can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The mood of the movie is, is fantastic. I think it's a very neat, noir, future detective yes. film. And, I, and to me, I, I love that mood. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not very action packed, and I think that kind of throws people. But I just the char- the characters in the movie make it for me, and the themes in the movie make it for me. Like I I love absolutely love the theme of the the films for, mm-hmm. for the film for it, and yeah. I think Rucker Hauer is he steals just about every scene that he's absolutely. in, especially the then the end. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. uh, to me that's a very iconic scene at the end at the top of the. Uh, Top of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I quite enjoy it. It's, it's not my favorite Ridley Scott movie. It's not my sure. favorite sci-fi movie. But I think it was a large jump forward for the industry mm-hmm. and for uh, what you can do with science fiction. Nice. And, uh, yeah, uh, do you th- – uh, the massive, massive cult follow- following and kind of accolades that have been thrown – or. Uh, verbal accolades <laughs> the acclaim that has been thrown at at blade runner it's it's regarded as one of the greatest science fiction movies of all time and uh there's this rabid fan base or rabid following for it. do you do you fall into that do you no do you... no i because you know Bla- blade runner probably won it's not my in my top 10 movies of all okay. time it's not in probably my top five uh, science fiction movies of all time. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a great portrayal of a dystopic future, and mm-hmm. it's, it's got a mood that is very unique to itself. And to me, the themes that are brought up uh, about humanity mm-hmm. make the movie for me. So I, nice. I I thoroughly enjoy the film. It's not one of my favorites, but I thoroughly enjoy it. So I'm not a cult 
follower of it's the greatest thing of all time, but right. I, I think it's a great movie. Okay, nice. And uh, I have kind of an interesting history with it. I first saw it when I was in high school when I – my taste in like I I was still cultivating a is taste your, in movies. Yeah, is it yeah, your taste was evolving. Yeah, and I think I went into it expecting like a like a science fiction action movie. Um, well, here's here's the difficult yeah. thing about movies like this, especially for someone in our generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone tells you you need to see Blade Runner. It's it's amazing. It's a, it's a phenomenal movie, mm-hmm. and it gets built up for you, and it turns out it's not what you expected. Yeah. So it, and that happens quite a bit. Uh, especially, you know, from movies a generation behind us or mm-hmm. a couple or two generations behind us. Yeah. If Tiny were here, he would say that yes, that is the case for pretty much every movie I've ever uh, recommended to him in, <laughs> in the course of our friendship. <laughs> because I, not so much these days, but like I, I am one that in the past I have been like you've like I have just said like every. Uh, every exaggerated, like big thing I can say about a movie to get someone to con- convince someone to see it, and then that ends up being like, eh, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest thing ever, but yeah. That's why um, I give no recommendations to my wife. She's like, "Did you uh, like it?" I'll tell her. I'll tell her if I liked it or not. Mm-hmm. Like we watch, we sat down and watched. Well, I sat down to watch The Witch the other day. Oh, okay. And she was just happened to be in there and to watch it. And she's like, you watch, you like the weirdest movies. I'm like, this is why I didn't even recommend <laughs> this to you. I, I know you're not going to like this movie. I nice. love it. You're not going to like this movie. That was You've seen it before, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think, were you on the show to talk about it before? I don't know. I may have been. I, yeah, saw, it the, I saw it in the theater. Nice, so. nice. Um. Yeah, so... Blade Runner, I saw it in high school. I might as well not have seen it. I was just basically like, if anything, anything that's not Fight Club or Saving <laughs> Private Ryan is just trash to me right. at this point. Um, so I was not in. I was not in the right frame of mind, or my mind wasn't uh, advanced enough, or I wasn't. You should really get yeah. be warned as to what you're about to watch. Yes, absolutely. Because if um, you're like, I love Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. and so you might think this is a big sci-fi action Harrison right. Ford movie. He didn't. He didn't tell one person to get off of his plane <laughs> in this movie. Fuck this guy. Um, no, but it. Uh, but yeah. So then I did go back and rewatch it uh, just a couple days ago in preparation for this podcast to, and before seeing Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And my God, <laughs> I freaking loved it. Yeah, I really I- did. Um, visually, it is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It's very like, striking. Ever. Um, it is very thought provoking. The, like you said, it, it has so much of a noir feel to it that it feels like a, a kind of maybe not gumshoe detective noir story, but it just feels like a, a throwback to noir stories from like like the 40s and 50s right, yeah. um with a dystopic science fiction futuristic thing which works so well for the story being told and everything and then this whole story of humanity like the the character of Rory Batty played by um Rutger Hauer that's like i mean that is just such a fascinating character it, and it truly is yeah it, like he's not evil he's not he's not he's not a through and through villain like you can sympathize with he's not a villain at all yeah his motivations are more human than just about anybody exactly he has a lifespan Mm -hmm. 
he wants to experience life. Mm-hmm. So he he finds his creator, something that mm-hmm. something that humanity has been trying to do since it created a creator. Which right. I'm uh, not taking any <laughs> ram- not get going down the road. I'm not saying there is no God. I'm mm-hmm. not saying there is God. Blah, whatever. But he he is he is able to do something that mankind's always wanted to do mm-hmm. and meet the creator and find out if he can find out more about his life. Yeah. And it, so, it's, no, it's, it, to me, that's not, he, he's not an evil character. He's right. finding a means to an end. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I agree. And it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful movie and I really, really loved it. I am kind of beating myself up over it because they had this, like big, not necessarily box set, but this big special edition Blu-ray out that had all of the different versions. Right. It came with like a little, I think like plastic, like unicorn figure <laughs> um, modeled after the, the origami thing. And like I'd seen that at Target so many times. And it's like, you know, like this is the, like four years ago probably. I would see that at Target and be like, oh, I kind of want to, this would look really cool in my collection. I've always wanted to rewatch Blade Runner. Um, I should probably just get this. I should spend the 35 bucks and get it. And then now it looks like that particular version is completely out of print and un, unviable. Um, be worth so much money right now. I know, right? Uh, so my hope is that when Blade Runner 2049 comes out on Blu-ray, they can, you know, they'll re-release the original or something. I don't know. But yeah, so. I can hope. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of a brief breakdown of our thoughts on Blade Runner, the original and uh, I've I've got to say this because I don't think you heard me say this joke at your Halloween party. Um, <laughs> Could have been a reason for that. But um, I was talking to your brother about Blade Runner, and then he was saying like, "Okay, well, you got to watch the final cut version before before seeing twenty forty nine. It it bleeds seamlessly into it and everything." I was like, "Okay, well, in what version does Deckard shoot first, though?" Um, <laughs> I vaguely which, remember yeah, this. <laughs> I was so proud of that. I thought your brother was going to punch me, but that's fine. <laughs> you know what, joke? I, I was I, I thought it was actually a lot more funny. I might be bringing this into when okay. It was uh, I didn't it. get to go see Blade yep. Runner. Yeah, the, yep. I, I thought it was good. Yes. That lit, made me lull. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and just say that because I was extremely proud of that one. So. To go into our Blade Runner 2049 review, um, I was uh, nervous because I had watched Blade Runner beforehand, but I did not have enough time to watch the other 2047 <laughs> Blade Runners before 2049. <laughs> I was um, so proud of that. You should have, man. That was good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, let's just go right into our non-spoiler review of Blade Runner 2049, starring Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford, even though they shouldn't have put him in the marketing. That would have been awesome if he just popped up. You, you, um, not with Harrison Ford. You can't do that. Right. No, but I agree. I think that would have been uh, incredible, but you yeah, you can't do that with Harrison Ford. Right. Um, so, let's see. So, I mean, I can't really read the plot description because it's... <sighs> I don't know how to talk about it in non-spoiler terms. Yeah, so. it's, it's very spoiler-centric. It it sure is. So before we get into the – well, what conditions did you see this in? Did you see it in 3D? I just saw – I can't do 3D. Yeah. yeah. Just standard uh, just standard movie theater nice. viewing. How was the theater experience and how – um, this can lead into a further discussion on it, but uh, how busy was your theater? Oh man, sadly unbusy. Ugh. And did you see this like opening weekend? 
Yep. Sure did. <sighs> Man, that sucks. Yep. Ugh. I'm I'm so disconcerted. You know what though? It got made mm-hmm. and I got to see it. Yep. And there needs to be no other films after this. Mm-hmm. So I I agree. I agree. So yeah. selfishly I can say, whatever, I got what I wanted. Sure, sure. Even though other people financially did not. Right. Um yes. but yeah, it was it was not a packed house. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with me. Uh, although I did just see it a couple days ago, like four weeks after it Which came out. I was going to say, I'm shocked that it was still available to see in theaters. Well, so was I. I was very worried because we were basically the genesis of this episode is like a few weeks ago, someone on the Facebook group said like, Hey, are you guys going to review 2049? I was like, yeah, I'll see if Fekus wants to do it. And then just didn't follow up with you about it. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking. Yeah, I was like, "What? He's supposed to get with me on that?" But I, I like, was, and then I just never got around to seeing the movie. And then I went to your Halloween party, and right. then you're like, "Hey, are we going to review 2049?" I'm like, "We can. Yeah, I'll see <laughs> it tomorrow." Um. So yeah. So I'm glad that we were able to get this worked out. I as well. Yeah. So funny story about my theater experience. I saw it in 2D as well in in the theater. Um, bought my ticket a day in advance. Got the uh, back row third seat, and then uh, I went to the theater. Got there like right on time, and like okay, this is a smaller theater, smaller auditorium because you know it's been out for a little right, while. It's almost done. Yeah. So I mean, this is like a six or seven row theater. Um, uh, actually five rows. Um, I had to count the letters on my fingers. Um, <laughs> and so I went and I noticed like not right next to the seat that I got, but like one, like there was one buffer seat in between it. It's like, it's an empty theater except for this couple that are sitting like right next to me with one seat in between us. I'm just like, I, like I just, I saw that and I was just like, in my head, I was just like, oh, fuck it. Just sat in the, in the row in front of it. <laughs> Just because I'm so weird and awkward. They probably liked the back row and probably thought, oh, one seat's enough buffer. And you're like, I'm going to be weirded out by this. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing was uh, partway through the trailers, another guy came in and sat like in the first seat of that row. So like had I sat in my assigned seat, I would have had like we would have been like an entire group in the back row with one seat in between each group. And it's just like. People like the back row, Matt. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really glad that I did what I did because I sat a row ahead of me because <laughs> Until someone came in and was like, uh I know, uh, I was kind know? of I was really worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> um but and this is something I never do, but partway through the movie, I had to pee so bad. It's a damn near three hour movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I actually I actually had to get like I left and went to the bathroom, which is something I never do. That's like blasphemous to me. Yeah. Um. But I I made it. Um, <laughs> so so there's like 30 seconds in the movie where I just I just didn't see it. Um. That was the 30 seconds you had yeah, to see. I know, right? Um. Anyway. Uh. So yeah. So let's talk about the movie. What did you think in kind of broad terms, and then we can go into spoilers. Uh. Fairly soon. Um, what do you think in broad terms of Blade Runner 2049? Broad terms, beautiful, mm-hmm. amazing. I may have liked it more than the original. Everyone did a spectacular job, and I think it does a great job of continuing the themes of humanity mm-hmm. in a much more uh, – in, in a, in a in very different way than the first one did, and I, 
I loved it. And it, it kills me that this movie was not financially successful. <sighs> it's hard seeing yeah. the piece of work that I love so much not get, in my opinion, the, uh, the recognition it deserved, mm-hmm. but man, I, yeah, I've got to agree with pretty much everything. <laughs> like I'm right there with you. It, this was an astounding visual experience for yeah. me. Um, just, I mean, like if you, if I were to go back and watch Blade Runner for the technically first time before they announced this movie and I, at the time, if I rewatched it at the time before it was announced and noticed like how just beautiful the original was, and then you were to tell me, yeah, okay, they're going to make a sequel, uh, 30 years later and, uh, Denny Villeneuve is going to make it. And I would have just been like, I mean, that alone is like, that's, that's incredible. Like yeah. he is the, he's the filmmaker that should have made this movie. He's uh, like, I don't want to say he's the only one, but he's the perfect yeah. one. Oh, absolutely. Oh so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, his stuff is just fantastic mm-hmm. anymore. And, and it's not like, like when you see the, just the, the cityscapes and, and the settings and everything, it, the camera lingers so much on, on all of the, the world essentially. And it's just, it's great that it lets the camera lets the, the setting breathe and you really get a sense of the world and everything. The, the music is on point through, through the setting. It set mm-hmm. the mood that the music sets is, is perfect to the world. And it's, yes, the, the composition is, is just perfect. Mm-hmm. I will say I don't know if it was my theater, but I feel like they I feel like the hypothetically um imagine like a volume dial and say that the the optimum theater volume level is number 9. It feels like someone cranked it up to 12 <laughs> in my theater because like I and also part of this is that I think I might have a wisdom tooth coming in so like my like the pain is like in my neck and kind of up in my ear canal a little bit. You can't blame the movie for your dentistry problems. Matt. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is I think that I was more susceptible to experiencing pain from vibration vibrations okay. in my ears. Um, no, it's there are some loud points to it. Yeah, some loud moments. But the the score actually, and I haven't seen Arrival since I saw it in the theater, but it reminded me a lot of Arrival, and I, I didn't check to see if the same composer I'd have to uh, look. scored them. But I mean, I'm it with just, you. I haven't watched. I, is I keep trying to save my second mm-hmm. viewing of Arrival. Yeah, because I it, I love the movie so much, and mm-hmm. I just. I want to. I just want to have the perfect moment to sit down and rewatch it. I've owned it for like. Well, I owned it since the day it came out. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm waiting. Nice. So. Yeah, I, I haven't gone around to re- rewatching it either because I've been behind on watching everything. I haven't even started Stranger Things yet. Ah, uh, um, me either. Nah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um. So yeah. So beautiful movie. The performances I thought were great. There were some very interesting interesting avenues that the story took that I, I'll dance around a little bit because I can't uh, say anything. But the uh, Ryan Gosling's character I thought was really fascinating to me. I, and I love the way that he played that character. I did I too. thought that I, he I thought did a phenomenal job. He did a, he, an amazing job. Yeah. As, amazing especially, and understated too. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the scenes he has with – for lack of a better term, under the the circumstances around his companion, mm-hmm. I, 
beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah. And again, that it goes in for me. It goes into the question of humanity, and mm-hmm. just, I can't say too much about it. I know. So, I know. Yeah. Uh, should we just? Should we just? Should we just dive into spoilers? Just dive in. Okay. Uh, before we do that, overall, where's this gonna land on your top ten? Oh, it's gonna be top five. Um, nice. I, I haven't gone through lately and seen my my list. Mm. My but, list is dreadful. That, sh- that shocks me. Yeah, it's. I've just been so busy with so much stuff, and I just haven't had a chance to actually watch movies. Um, and anything I do watch is just for one of the several podcasts I do. Sure. And then I also have a list. Like, the list, I didn't put down the dates on some of them, so I'm kind of freaking out about that. So I need to backtrack and, like, find out what <laughs> day I actually watched get something. On it. I know. No, th- this will be top five, probably top three. Nice. Um, so we'll see. The, the, well, as it stands right now, there's there's still there's a lot of movie times left. Yeah. But I oh, yeah. I I love this film. I we're still we're still we're heading into prime Oscar bait season. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is going to be very high up for me. Um, this is the type of science fiction movie that I just adore. Like I am all for these visually magnificent thought provoking stories um in the in this medium and it's just it's it's what i love about science fiction um and yeah i'm super glad that like you i'm super glad that it was made um yeah i just i, I remember when this was coming out I just thought to myself, well, who who are they making this for? Mm-hmm. It's like, is this a yeah. remake? Or, or it's like, no, not a remake. Okay, well, what are we doing with this? Because because I, I was perfectly happy with how the uh, the first one ended. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I felt like, of course, there's always somewhere else you can go with it. But I but I, to my with me, I was like, you know what? It to me, this perfectly ends. Right. Um, the narrative here. Um, I didn't need any other questions answered, mm-hmm. which I. The big question. We'll talk about yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. 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 I agree. And one thing that I really loved about it, which uh, you know, I'll open spoilers with that because I don't want to give anyone any any preconceived ideas going into the movie. So, um, yeah, we will dive into spoilers. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer right here, and then uh, when we come back, we will be spoiling Blade Runner 2049. In the previous 2048 <laughs> prequels. <laughs> You're a cop. I did your job once. I was good at it. I know. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. to the future is finally unearthed. Bring it to me. So proud of that. Um, all right, so spoilers on for Blade Runner 2049. Um, one of the things that I really loved about this movie was that it was it was a sequel to Blade Runner without being a reboot or reimagining or legacy sequel or anything like that. They didn't have 
like Ryan Gosling wasn't a new hotshot Blade Runner who right. has to find Deckard but prove himself him. yeah. the, that he is, he's up to the standards that Deckard said. Exactly. Like they didn't have to go uh blow up a bigger replicant right. from the first one. <laughs> or fight like um, 20 replicants yeah, exactly. at the same time. Yeah, it was its own story while also being an actual sequel to it. Like, it's just, I I, I loved the way that the movie was, was written and the story un- unfolded. Yeah, it was very, especially for something that went from a 30-year 30, 30 difference, it was very a very natural progression into Absolutely. the second film. So, yeah, I, I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so let's start with uh, Kay or Joe, uh, Ryan Gosling's character. Uh, right off the bat, we learn that he is a replicant yes. who is, you know, a replicant Blade Runner. Um, How do you feel about that reveal and his character arc throughout the movie? Uh, well, I was not expecting it, mm-hmm. and so, but I was surprised. But I really enjoyed the the path it took. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like the concept now of we have this Blade Runner who is a replicant facing the prejudices mm-hmm. of replicants whose job it is to hunt replicants. Mm-hmm. So that that's a very – it's a very deep concept there on, oh, on yeah. so many levels. So I, I really enjoyed the thought process throughout the entire th- – that entire thing. So that yeah. entire scenario I thought was fantastic. Absolutely. And that line that, uh, uh, Batista says to him, uh, he says, uh, you've now doesn't, or you're killing your own kind or how does it feel to kill your own kind or, or how can you kill your own kind or something like that? Like that line, I was just like, Oh shit, he's a, he's a replicant. That's right, amazing. Yeah. And then also I was like, I kind of have to pee, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But, uh yeah and in the whole idea of him being a replicant who is subject to the you know the prejudices of people against replicants and everything and then what I what I kind of really latched onto with his story wasn't so much his his AI companion which I thought was really great which That's we'll get what, into yeah, that. That's what I that. Yeah. But what I really appreciated about his story was that he has this he kind of has this not naive not naivety but he has this glimmer of hope that he's he's starting to learn or he becomes under the impression that he is this this child of a of a replicant and maybe human um we'll talk about that but um he's this he's get, he gets in in his head that he is this this fabled child that is this chosen one figure um and what i love about it is that like uh, kind of toward the beginning i was like oh i bet he's the kid uh like yeah i bet he's the kid and then and i thought then, that was far too easy uh, and then that's yeah. what i was my, my fear was that yeah. it was too easy and then they kind of just they kind of led us down that road and then and then just kind of was like oh no it's a yeah. it's a girl no you're good yeah right it's like don't um, worry about it but the, yeah. how much it, it it shows that it affected him mm-hmm. the concept that he was going to be like almost, I hate to say chosen one because right. it's not to me. I don't really fits, but yeah, he's a significant being mm-hmm. who people are now perhaps going to look to follow, mm-hmm. and the ramifications mm-hmm. for him to to me are just it's like his whole job has has been killing replicants, mm-hmm. but now he's a he in his mind about to be 
a sigil yeah. for replicants. Yeah, and then also he has been subjected to all of this uh not necessarily mind control but like they they control his baseline uh, emotions and then he is subjected to all of these like epithets and in this and this just he his, his entire existence is killing uh his equals um while also being constantly reminded that he is insignificant and right. he has nothing nothing in his life um and i think that's that's one of the things that kind of leapfrogs into or or connects with the uh companion story with joy because that's him creating a or or purchasing a uh some kind of emotional tether to reality to make him not as uh not as insignificant as his life. It makes would him make human. Him. It, yeah, yeah. He, he he has an attachment. Yes, it's purchased. It's a piece mm-hmm. of technology, but it's his attachment now. It, it's his emotional outlet. Not that much different than purchasing a pet. Right. I mean, you're you're purchasing a companion mm-hmm. of, of which you be you love has its own personality. I feel like Joy probably had a unique personality mm-hmm. depending on its the. AI's interaction with the mm-hmm. the buyer, I guess, but yeah, uh, yeah, the the whole interaction between him and Joy to me just really shows how human the replicants are. Yeah, and kind of going back to what you said about it, her being kind of tailor made for his or uh, not tailor made, but uh, unique to his his personality and everything. One of the more um, not necessarily heartbreaking, but uh, I guess slightly heartbreaking moments was at the end, toward the end when he is making the decision to go after, uh, go after them to save, uh, um, wow, Harrison Ford, Deckard, Deckard, yeah, yeah. um, to save Deckard, um, he sees the ad for Joy, and she says, like she says the line that that Joy says to him, yeah. and she just says, "What what a day," and I'm just like, that's so because. Because, like, I felt the companionship between them. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, the, Ryan Gosling did an amazing job mm-hmm. of acting with this AI, which real person. Right, just, right. Uh, no, the the interactions between him and Joy were fantastic and mm-hmm. believable and heartbreaking once it ended. Right. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the character of... Uh, was it Wallace? Jared Leto's, yeah. Leto's, Leto's character? Um, the Wallace Corporation. Yes. So I liked that whole aspect that it was, you know, he bought the Tyrell Corporation. Oh, I did too. Yeah. Loved the way that it just kind of seamlessly brought us into it. Um, little disappointed that he didn't have damage tattoo on his forehead. <laughs> um, uh, that was, a, that was yeah. a bit of a disappointment. Oh, well, a huge disappointment. Um, <laughs> But what did you think of that character and and that whole that whole arc? Because it kind of seemed like I liked his motivation. Like he was his whole thing was that he wanted to create millions and millions of replicants so that humanity could conquer the stars and everything, right. which is a noble cause. And his whole drive to find the child was to figure out how to get them to, you know, make make babies. How to replicate replicants? Yes. Ah. Uh, no, I, um, yeah. I I thoroughly enjoyed uh, 
Wallace and his scenes, mm-hmm. and I, I agree. I, I like his motivations. I, I think uh, Wallace represents kind of, uh, in my opinion, people's misunderstanding of the theme. He doesn't see how human these replicants are, mm-hmm. so he doesn't. He, he, all he sees them is the product. He doesn't understand that what he is creating. He he is in in essence creating life and mm-hmm. personalities and and what ends up being souls. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that they're talking about with the, uh, the birth of a replicant is the fact that we now, this replicant now has a soul because it has mm-hmm. been birthed and not made. Right. So I, I don't, I don't think he, he grasps that concept. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can agree with that. He seems very, kind of very short sighted. Yeah. Um, well, he's, he's a businessman. Yeah. He's, he's also, he's also, Blind. Oh, yeah. Oh, you see, you, oh, see that? Yeah. I'm offended. Yeah, he got blindsided with that yeah. joke there. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, no, yeah, he he was uh, he was just very focused on that one goal without looking at the. He didn't view them as people or as things. He viewed them as as products, right. as property. Even with the possible understanding that they are now creating life. He, he right. doesn't, he doesn't see it as that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see it as the creation of life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's his, uh, his downfall or not, right. maybe not downfall, but that, that's his yeah. short sightedness. Sure. Yeah. Um, the whole idea, and we're probably jumping around a little bit here, but that kind of reminds me that there was this whole, I felt like this was kind of a dropped thing or I didn't really, makes sense to me at the end like if they was setting up something else entirely or what but the whole idea of these replicants that are kind of in hiding and they were there's that scene with where uh ryan gosling finds out that he's not that he's not deckard's son he's just a he's just a regular replicant blade runner um and they talk about how they there's going to be a revolution and that they're going to that that the replicants have I kind of had to pee during that part too. So, um, no, like there's this whole uprising that is hinted at and everything. And then, then it just, nothing ever really comes of it. I don't think it needs to. I I think Mm -hmm. that's not the story. Uh, I think the story is Decker and the child he made Mm -hmm. with, uh, Rachel, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think the, the, the replicant, the underground replicants, mm. is a nice little side note. Okay, but I don't think I, I don't think it's the focus, nor should it have been the focus. I feel like the focus is still uh, the child of Deckard and Rachel, and mm-hmm. obviously the child is important to the underground as well because sure. it's a beacon of hope. It's a mm-hmm. you know it, it's, it's entity that's going to lead them into equality with everybody else. But it's just to me that portion was just kind of like a, a, a cool little. This is what else is going on in the replicant world, okay. and kind of it, a little piece of world building, right? And and also to me, I thought that was a perfect way for the revelation to come to K mm. that he is in fact not yes. the child. And I, I really enjoyed what the uh, leader of the groups told him about it being everyone wished they could have looked into the mirror and saw. Uh, what the the child of yeah, yeah I, I really I, I feel like that's very that's a very human thing to mm-hmm. to want to think of yourself as special or unique or something mm-hmm. that can help shape the world but right 
in essence to to find out that you're just a normal person. Mm-hmm. But in fact, he's not just a normal person. He's he's unique to himself. He mm-hmm. serves a purpose within the world. And I, I again, it all goes back to my thing about the whole film. It's just it's a giant study of what makes you human. What mm-hmm. what is humanity? So. And that's one thing I can't really relate to just because, you know, it's this whole thing. No, no, no. The whole thing about, you know, looking in the mirror and seeing, like, wanting to see yourself as something greater when you're really not. I mean, I have three podcasts. So, I mean. Shape in the world. I'm doing okay. Um, But no, anyway, that's ridiculous. Um, uh, No, yeah, I totally agree. And I love the way that that scene or that sequence was was lit. And uh, because Kay and the woman they're kind of silhouetted and it's just it's just completely in shadow and then he has that moment where he sits down when he finds out that he's not he's not the child and he, he's not special and everything it just seemed like very like that could have been played as like oh Ryan Gosling here earn an Oscar or or really really actor hard out but it was more just subtle and, right, and yeah. uh more impactful because there's less stimulus or stimuli on screen coming at you. It's just very, uh, very, uh, shadowy and just muted. Um, and in a weird way, it becomes more powerful, at least to me. No, I agree. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Oh, Deckard. How do you feel about Deckard? (laughs) First of all, I I thought it was crazy how you don't even come across Deckard until like, Almost the end of the film. I know. Yeah. Because uh, I was sitting there going, I was like, well, when are we getting to Decker? Just because right. I'm a Harrison Ford fan. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I thought the reveal was great. And mm-hmm. I loved the atmosphere of where Decker is yes. currently living. I think it was. I think it was Vegas? supposed to be. I yeah. think it was supposed to be Vegas. Oh, my God. I, it was. It was so amazingly. Stunning. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. And I. Oh. And I got exactly what I wanted out of that interaction. I got mm-hmm. Decker being Decker mm-hmm. with with Kay, yeah. and like the conversations were great. Uh, I I love the, th- the stuff with the dog. Mm-hmm. I, I love the line of where he's uh, asks him if the dog's real, and he goes, "Why don't you ask him?" Yeah, I was like, "That's, <laughs> that's a very first of all, it's a very Harrison Ford oh, line, yeah. and it's just oh, yeah. I, I loved it." So, and I kind of. I kind of wonder, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I kind of feel like, because I think he said, I don't know, why don't you ask him? Right, yeah. And I kind of feel like that was, I don't I don't know if it, again, I don't know no, if it was No, I, I, I know where you're going yeah. with this. I think it was intentional. And Do to you, me, okay. that goes back to what I've been saying about the first one all mm-hmm. along. For it our listeners. Ma- yeah. it, it, it's the qu- the big question that everyone mm-hmm. always debates about the original is Did was Decker, Decker shoot first? <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I really wish I hadn't blown my blown my wad with that joke earlier because that yeah, would have been, been a better yeah. better location for that. <laughs> is Decker a replicant? Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to it doesn't matter. Right. And that and to me I think that's a, kind of a fun poke at it too. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the director's way of or the writer's way of saying it doesn't matter. Right. Ask him yourself. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. change anything. Yeah. It doesn't change who Decker is. It doesn't make mm-hmm. him any less human if he is a replicant. Mm-hmm. We you've grown attached to this character through the two hours that you've been watching him. Yeah. Why would it matter now if he's a replicant or not? Mm-hmm. You've seen him emotional. You've seen him care. Mm-hmm. So does it change 
his humanity to find out he's a replicant? No, doesn't matter. So to so to me, it's always been people's like, well, is he or is he not? And, and my answer is, I don't care. Yeah, doesn't matter to me. And like, granted, I've I've only recently rewatched the original Blade Runner, but it kind of seems like the movie, and I've and I've read a bit about it as well. Kind of seems like the original movie kind of makes at least the final cut kind of makes it lean more toward the yeah he's a replicant if because, you're gonna if you're gonna put a gun yeah. to my head and and tell me you have to pick one side or the other i think you almost have to say that he is a replicant given right what the final cut shows during his dream and edward james almost's origami figurine at the end right but if and i feel like i feel like regardless that's not the question to ask when watching blade runner no i, or I agree either blade runner right um because it's not like it makes like a huge profound statement either way, it, at it, least from my perspective. Right. Um, it does to me. It does not change anything about Deckard to find it, like if you find mm-hmm. out he's a replicant, okay. If you mm-hmm. find out he's human, okay. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah. it, but people debate it. That's yeah, the, that's one of the biggest debates of the original. So. It is, and it's and maybe I re- read it wrong. Maybe I'm incorrect. But then again. Art is what you get out of it, right? So that yeah. that's what I get out of it. And it's in terms of in terms of Deckard and Roy Batty in the first one, it's kind of hard to. I mean, it seems like putting your energy into whether or not uh, Deckard is a replicant takes away from the fact that it's kind of Roy Batty's story. It is Roy from Batty's the perspective story. of. I think Deckard. the more, more important question at the end of Blade Runner is: Is Roy Batty human? Right. Because or we is know he, he just a baddie? <laughs> uh, stop it. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> you know he's a replicant. Mm-hmm. But he makes an amazing point at the end. Mm-hmm. Do my observations – does the fact that I've seen more of the world than you still make you more human than me? Mm-hmm. And I say no. I say Roy Batty is just as human as anybody. Yeah. I think Leon even says that – Something about because he asks he asks Deckard how much how much time he has and he says four years and then he says I don't think he he doesn't say something he says something like more than uh, more than not more than you but something like to where it's like he's like well I'm I'm still more human than you or something to yeah. that effect I can't remember it's I kind of a throwaway the exact line. same line too but 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 yeah so going into Blade Runner twenty forty nine like yeah it it doesn't matter and it what I like about it is that well, one of the things I, I like about it, I guess, because I didn't really care one way or another, one way or another, if he was a replicant or not. But I like that it keeps that mystique. It keeps right, that yeah. ambiguity. I, I I love that. You know, they don't come out and you know, Kay's like, "Hey, are you a replicant?" Yeah, yeah. That would to definitively answer that question would have mm-hmm. left me. I would I would not have liked it. Yeah, it would it wouldn't have ruined the film for me, but I would not have enjoyed a definitive right. answer. And I was kind of expecting it to give a definitive answer because I thought like, yeah. well, no, not me, really. Yeah, hmm. I, I was fully expecting it still to be ambiguous. Okay, because hmm. well, what, what what purpose does it serve? I don't know. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just thought like, well, hey, uh, Harrison Ford's old now. Uh, that basically means he's human. Um, I, ex- I expected Ryan Gosling to be his son and just kill him at the end. Right. I expected Ryan Gosling to be him in the past. And Anyway. Um, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. Star Wars reference. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Good Spoiler job. alert. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, also, that's another thing. I'm glad that it's – I'm glad that 
uh, Harrison Ford isn't, it's not a pattern where he is uh, resurrecting old characters just to kill them just off. Just to kill them off, so right. So I'm glad yeah. that Deckard survived this movie. Right. Um, yeah. And that's the perfect ending. Oh, that was such a beautiful ending, both for for Kay and for Deckard. Right. Um, God damn it, that was beautiful. What did, First, what did you think of the kind of action set piece at the end in the water in the in the the cars um like it was all right yeah it it, it didn't blow blow my hair back it, mm-hmm. it didn't need to when the point you know it's not an action sure. film didn't need to be amazing you, you know the way i kind of equate it to uh an inception the uh yeah. the snow base assault because mm-hmm. we just got an amazing fight sequence Right. And then you get the snow base assault, which is fine. Yeah, it's fine, but it's not amazing. Sure. So it was it was serviceable to the story, but you know it, the bigger payoff was the end. Yeah. So I I agree. I agree. Um, one thing I did think was uh, kind of funny, and I mean it's not. I don't know. It's it's what it is. But it kind of seemed like. Harrison Ford is getting kind of up there. So it was just like the last, like the last set piece. It's like, okay, well I'm just handcuffed here. I'm not going to do it. Right. <laughs> uh, like they kind of shot around some of the, like the action when, when he, he was getting taken by the right, by yeah. Wallace's people. Oh, the guy's like 70 years he, old. He is. And Hey, I'm uh, cool that they even, that they even wrote a scene for him to do anything physical. Right. Um, but I just thought that was, it was just kind of funny. It kind of seemed a little, cause when you have Ryan Gosling, beating the shit out of people and then you have Harrison Ford kind of kind of doing his his old thing um it's kind of yeah it was kind of weird but i mean that's not a complaint or anything Harrison Ford is awesome um god damn, he's an icon me. Yeah. yeah it reminds me of a of a line from the movie she's all that did you ever see that uh, yeah, yeah i hate to admit that i did it was in middle school and a date Oh, so I. Oh, look at you, Mister. I dated in middle school. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus, I'm that not says pr- so much about me. I'm not proud that I've seen that movie. Oh wow, I saw it in the theater, owned it on DVD, seen it several times. Anyway, uh, there's a line where one character is like, "Oh yeah, his dad works at Harrison Ford," and then the, someone clarifies and said, "It's a dealership, not an actor, no, not no. the actor. It's like a car dealership." Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Really, really top tier. Yeah, top tier comedy. Comedy as one you would expect from a movie's caliber of. Uh, she's all that. R.I.P. Paul Walker. Um, he's in oh that god, movie. he is in that. He is. Isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's the guy that you know. She blows the rape whistle up. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting <laughs> back way on track. off track. Please. T- so, not another teen movie was a very good <laughs> send up of she's all that. <laughs> Um, no. So anyway, um, yeah, the, the ending, um, what do you make of Deckard meeting his daughter? Like what, like what did that do for you? Cause it kind of felt like it didn't feel like an afterthought to me, but it just felt like, Oh, Hey, it didn't seem like it really closed the book on the movie itself for me. It just seemed like, Oh, Deckard's meeting his daughter and Kay's gone. I don't think Kay's dead. You don't think so? No. Really? No, I don't think he's dead. I think he's I... taking his taking a break. Uh-huh. Maybe he is. I don't know. I, I, I maybe I misread that. I last read that part. as him dying. Uh, it, 
Eh, maybe. Huh. I did. I loved the kind of symmetry or, or the callback, I guess, of him uh, feeling the snowflakes on his hand when earlier in the movie he was feeling the rain on his hand sure. after he was talking with Joy. Um, I loved that. And then there's apparently this big theory that um, I heard about it on, on another podcast. Um, I guess Mark Miller, Mark Millar? Mark Millar. Mark Millar. He posited that the last scene where Deckard goes in and sees his daughter in the, in the, in the room, uh, she has this, uh, you see her in the middle of like a little snowfall thing Uh that she's, she's working. Uh, the theory, the batshit crazy theory is that Kay never existed in that she was implanting memories into Deckard to lead him back to her. Because he's a replicant and she right. can do that. M. Night Shyamalan. No, I don't, I don't, Blade Runner 2049. I don't buy it. Because then, then I think you're under the understanding that replicants are like cybernetic organisms. True. And true. I, I, I'm under the impression that replicants are biological organisms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing else in either movie to indicate otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no. I, no. Mm. Fuck but, you, Mark Millar. Yeah, stupid Mark Millar. <laughs> writer of some awesome comics. Right, like... He wrote Old Man Logan. Old Man Logan, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Anyway. With the with the Wolverine. Sneaked. 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 Um, anyway. But, no, I, I I love how beautifully it just ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's very satisfying. Decker... Finally gets to meet his daughter, mm-hmm. I, and I don't really need to see what else happens after that. I, I feel like I feel like it'd be intrusive of the viewer. Yeah, um, you 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 see this man that's never met his his daughter and hasn't done so f- with great sacrifice for uh, for her. Mm-hmm. He he's done it so she could have a life, and now. It gets to the point where he finally gets to meet her and see what his sacrifice has accomplished. Nice. That's a really good way to put it. I like that a lot. So for hmm. and the emotional impact between these two characters meeting each other to to watch it, I feel like would be intrusive. Yeah. Viewer, so. Oh, absolutely. And so I don't need to see it. I uh, the the beauty is that it happens. I agree. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um. Then also, kind of to go back, also, what did you what did you think about the the whole idea of Deckard impregnating Rachel, and that being the kind of whole thing of the whole movie? I I loved it. I, I love that concept. I um again, it goes back to uh, humanity because I've mm-hmm. always I, I was always under the understanding that they are somewhat biological uh, right. entities, and now uh, Robin Wright's character uh, mm-hmm. puts a very uh, soundly that it the ramifications that replicants can procreate is earth shattering right and so i love the concept of something like this occurring that would in fact make replicants on equal grounds with the rest of mm-hmm. humanity she makes a comparison and this may have actually been the part where i had to go to the bathroom but um she makes a comparison where uh 
the world is built on a wall or something, or how does she phrase it? I I know what you're talking yeah. about, but I can't remember this. But yeah, she makes phrase. a very elegant point. Yeah. That uh, yeah. What did you think of Robin Wright in the movie? Overall? I thought she was solid. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> great. I, I like the basis of her character, and I thought she did a good good job with it. Sure, I especially uh, enjoyed her last scene. Yeah, that I was thought, cool. Thought she, uh, I thought that was a very cool scene. So, mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah. Um, like I can't. What? There's not a whole lot I can say bad about this. Yeah, movie. Dave Bautista did a, 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 mm-hmm. a good job in in uh, his character from the start. I was actually kind of disappointed to see him only in the first like five minutes of. It. Me too. And my first thought, aside from, man, I kind of have to pee, was that um, uh, my first thought when he kind of beats the shit out of Ryan Gosling and throws him through the wall and everything, my immediate thought was, yep, all right, this is a Blade Runner movie because Blade Runners are getting the shit right. kicked out of them. <laughs> you know, that's always been my counter argument to the whole Deckard uh, being a replicant thing is mm-hmm. he's get, he gets his ass kicked he a does. lot. And replicants are supposed to have... Uh, abnormal strength and right. agility and Decker gets whomped quite a bit. Yeah. So oh yeah. It's always been my kind of counter argument to oh, sure. maybe not be. Mm-hmm. But you know again, doesn't matter. Yeah. The real question though is was the dog real or not? That's Speci- yeah. We're gonna I think it was a figment 30... of both of their a- imaginations. Mm-hmm. Yep. I kinda hope that I kinda Kind of wish that Edward, Edward James almost would have shown up in in <laughs> at the end with like a little origami dog. I did and, have, like yeah. that Edward James almost did have a cameo. That was cool. So I liked that. Good. I liked that a lot. Um, yeah. Anything else to to talk about this movie? No, I, I that's a uh, we pretty much well covered it. I thought mm-hmm. it was a beautiful film. I loved it, and it saddens me that it did not get the financial recognition that I think it deserved. Mm-hmm. I think that's the. It's a hard part of making a sequel to a movie thirty years later. Yeah, that itself was has just a cult following, and right. I don't think it was that successful. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say it was pretty unsuccessful in the, mm-hmm. in the theaters. So, yeah, huh? um, it got made. Yeah, it got made, and it was made well, and it is it is one of the most visually striking movies I've probably ever seen. Yeah, and I saw it two nights ago, or was that last night? Oh my god, that was last night. Was it last night? I it thought you were going to go see it the day after our party. I was going to, but then I didn't because oh. I fall out four. Um, <laughs> so, Been there. Yeah. Um, hence why we haven't had an episode in a month. Anyway, um, that's sort of true. Um, the obsessive gamer. Yeah. Oh god, that has crossed my mind. Um, too busy, too busy. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it again. I saw it 24 hours ago, and I, I want to see it again. And I wanted to... In preparation for this recording, I really wanted to watch something similar to it as kind of a to kind of bring about something I don't know, bring about discussion or just get into another Blade Runner esque mindset. Couldn't find anything. I almost watched uh, Minority Report based on uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's got share some similarities. Yeah, concepts. Just mostly just because it's a Philip K. Dick novel. Oh, um, uh, was that where? Okay, yeah. Uh, but I didn't, so instead I watched In a World, which was good. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, which is weird for Halloween. But anyway, uh, that's our review of Blade Runner 2049. Uh, Fekus, are you going to own this on Blu-ray? Oh, with a, no, I'm going to own it on 4K Blu-ray because oh. I'm awesome. Look at you, Mr. 4K Blu-ray. Uh. You dated in middle school. <laughs> didn't pee during Blade Runner 2- 2049? I did. I did. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. Wow. What? Like, what part? Maybe we were remember. synced up. I, I honestly can't um, remember. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Um, yeah, so 
Yeah, awesome. I forget how we end these. But uh, yeah, that's a review of Blade Runner 2049. Let us know what you thought. Go to facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. Find all the links and crap there. Um, I hope this review is better for Raymond Hurt after he was so jokingly Snapchatted my I thought it was a good movie post oh, on Facebook. Oh, yes. God, that was so great. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> Dickhead, Ray. <laughs> Oh, because you're because uh, for content, I'm gonna dig up that screenshot because I took a screenshot. Ah, uh, and I posted it on the Facebook Facebook page. God, that was so funny! <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Um, <laughs> oh, Ray. oh, Raymond, how's that appendix, Ray? <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. So our listener Biz said, "Just curious, are guy are you guys gonna review Blade Runner 2049?" And then uh, I said I really want to. I was hoping to get Robert Fekas on, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then Fekas responded with, I was a huge fan of the film. <laughs> so my brother Snapchatted everyone and put uh, a circle around his, his comment and said, best remo- review of a movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so biz hope you enjoyed this review and uh yeah hope everyone else listening enjoyed this review too um so we're going to wrap things up with a potpourri section which for first time listeners potpourri is a section of the podcast where we talk about anything we've watched lately anything we're looking forward to anything that's on our minds uh anything we want as long as it smells good um i'm gonna bring up one thing because you've got one thing and then uh yeah we'll probably do like an extended potpourri with tiny here in the coming weeks because he and i haven't i have not sat down and talked to him since he became a husband so yeah well technically i talked to him at the wedding but i was drunk um as one should be at weddings yes uh it was fun anyway um yeah so yeah potpourri fecus you are my guest so what is your potpourri my potpourri is the now almost finished with first season of the deuce hbo um the deuce is kind of a it it's a show that crosses a lot of different characters paths through new york city in the 70s Mm -hmm. uh, around kind of the red light district slash cd areas where prostitutions uh rampant as well as um uh, porno theaters Mm -hmm. it stars james franco as Two people. He plays uh, twins oh, in, interesting. in the show. Uh, he a bar owner and slash degenerate gambler of uh, uh, the brother of the bar owner. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal plays a a prostitute, mm-hmm. and it chronicles all these different characters' lives through uh, the streets of New York City, uh, just going about their business in this the seedy underworld of. Uh, New York and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I'm I think it's seven or eight episodes into it right now and uh, I'm I'm a pretty big fan. Nice. I, I, James Franco kills it uh, mm-hmm. with his performances. Nice. Uh, as the dual performances mm-hmm. as the uh, the bar owner and slash degenerate gambler brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, man, she does a a brutally honest portrayal of a streetwalker uh, nice. in New York City. And there's a lot of a lot of characters uh, that are from the wire in this mm-hmm. too. But so I want to say it was probably 
the same writers? Uh, yeah, executive produced by David Simon. Okay, same. Yep. So uh, they all do a phenomenal job. So you get uh, kind of the the police officers' perspective mm-hmm. as well. Uh, they bring the pimps in. They're they're major characters too, and it's just it's it's a really good. What what's the word you're looking for when a when a project has different uh, characters um, going through connecting here and there with each other? Uh, prosaic? I don't no. Know. Um, tapestry? No. Could be some, something. Anyway, it's real good story with different people. It's really interesting <laughs> to watch all these characters interact throughout their lives mm-hmm. and bump into uh, the different characters who have their own separate areas that they're going through with New York City nice. as well. And uh, an interesting look at the uh, kind of the sex sex trade and or mm-hmm. sex work sex workers of the seventies, and it, it's it's a really interesting. Uh, Really interesting story. I, I quite nice. enjoy it. Like inter- intersecting storylines. Yes, intersecting storylines. There you go. Things of that nature. Um, nice. I've been really wanting to watch it, but I, I've been kind of waiting for it to all finish up. Right. The uh, performances are all top notch. Like nice. The, the pimps are great, even though they're fucking terrible human beings. Right. Uh, all the, some of the girls are just tragically well done and mm-hmm. portrayed, but it's it's solid i'm a big nice. fan and so I, I don't hear anyone ever really talking about it either so it's kind of yeah i've heard some people talk about it a little bit here and there but i don't think it's getting as much acclaim as i probably deserves i mean it's uh, and i just recently got introduced to the wire it's not as mm. good as the wire sure uh but it, it's still really really solid i, I enjoy nice. it I, I recommend Fair it if you're looking for something in between game of thrones seasons i guess right yeah it's i, I think it's a solid piece of work Nice. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Well, I will check that out and report back. Uh, My potpourri, I have several things I could bring up, but this is the most fresh thing that's in my mind, and I really am excited to talk about it. Fekas, have you watched uh, Aziz Ansari's Master of None? No. Oh, man. It is... Okay, so the first season, I believe I've talked about it here on the podcast before, really beautiful season of television. It's all about Aziz Ansari's character in New York as an Indian uh, actor who is like, it's hard. It's not like the show itself is not like, Oh, it's about, it's about Aziz Ansari trying to make it as an actor in New York. It's about, it's almost like each episode is like its own little standalone story about a different thing. Like the first season is very much like one episode is about his dating life. One episode is about his acting career. One episode is about, uh, him and his, his girlfriend. And it's like, it is one of the most beautiful depictions of like modern, like relationships and, and, um, culture today. It is like the episode in season one. That's uh, about, um, I think it's actually called Indians on television. It like the opening scene is just a, uh, just um, uh, uh, wow, a flash flashes multiple flashes of different uh, Indians on television depicted in a um, arguably derogatory way. Like it even shows like Apu from The Simpsons and mm, just like yeah. very much uh, stereotypical things. And it goes into a whole episode where he is going to auditions and he's at, at being asked to do an accent when he's, 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 he's sorry, he doesn't have an accent. Um, so all of that, that's season one and season one ends in a very interesting way. Um, and there's one episode is one episode in it. That's 
as a single guy, it is devastatingly terrifying um, because the episode is, I think it's called, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, um, it's like nine mornings. Hang on. Let me look that up. Cause it's, I haven't even gotten to season two yet in my thing. The episode, it's like the, okay. In season one episode, episode nine, it's a penultimate episode of season one. It's just called mornings in the entire episode is him in his, in his significant other after they've moved in together. And the entire episode is a series of scenes that take place in the morning in their apartment at different times in their, in their life living together. And it's just, you see, it is just, it paints their relationship in such a, such a unique way. Just by seeing this one part of their day, it says so much about their relationship and, and the ups and downs of it and everything. It's, it's spectacular writing and a spectacular episode of television. So season two, um, goes a little, honestly, I think season two is even better. Um, there are some really incredible things they they filmed um a certain amount of the season in italy um in like the first episode is aziz ansari's character in italy it's all in black and white kind of in the um kind of it's filmed in a way that's actually directed by aziz ansari filmed in a way that if i'm uh, i i i don't really think i've ever seen any italian movies but like the classic it- italian movies uh like i think eight and a half um yeah anyway like classic like italian movies um the way that they're they depict it italy um it's just filmed in that in that way and then there are so many other just like there's one episode that's all about online dating which is something that i have a history with (laughs) and i'm like this is so real (laughs) but aziz ansari's character is so much better at it than i am (laughs) but it's like it's also scripted yeah well well it's that's the thing, though. It's like the writing is so pitch perfect. It's like you think Aziz Ansari and you think, oh, Tom Haverford from uh, from from Parks and Rec, uh, this super uh, rambunctious guy that's like has a bunch of swagger and stuff and is very much a product of pop culture and everything. Like Aziz Ansari is nothing like that. He's just a guy who he has just a very profound um, – a profound – uh, grasp of just modern relationships, romance, and and life of people that are in that are the same age that I am, essentially. And it's like, like the episode that's about that's about online dating is just it's called first dates, and it's him on first dates with I think five different girls that it's told chronologically, but it intercuts between each date. Um, so like there's one where like he meets for drinks there and then the next part of the day to see, they go to, uh, they go to another location and then they're in the cab and then like each, like, um, each, uh, um, act of the episode is them, is him on that date in that section with like it intercuts between each date. And so you see the difference, the different levels of each date and how he interacts with different people. It's, it's just, it's just amazing how well written it is. And then toward the end of the season, I won't give anything away, but like the, um, kind of the running through line throughout the last half of the season is like so beautifully and brutally 
written and honest and the chemistry uh, between the, the characters in this, in the scenario that plays out over the last few episodes is like some of the most electric like chemistry I've seen on a TV show. And like the master of none itself is just season two. It's just operating on an entirely like a much higher level than any other show that I've really ever seen recently. That's high praise. It, it's amazing, and it's funny because we were just talking about earlier how right? I, I would I would really uh, <laughs> go watch this great amazing thing. Yeah, but I mean, Master of None just I mean it was it was a profound experience for me, and there were elements of it that I could relate to a lot. Um, being an Indian man struggling to be an actor <laughs> in New York, um, who spent time in Italy, but no, there there are moments of the of the season that just I that I just I just connected with on a very on a very deep level that I just haven't connected with a show or movie in a long time. Um, like there's one episode where it just the last five minutes are is is uh, Dev the Aziz Ansari's character just in a cab. And it's just him, him being driven home while a song plays underneath. And it's like, it is, it is a beautiful, a beautiful scene. And it's a beautiful way to end the episode. And it's just, I just, I just love everything about it. And what kind of sucks, but I can really get behind on it, is that Aziz Ansari has apparently said that, yeah, he doesn't think there's going to be any more, um, just two seasons, because it's he's pretty much poured everything that he has in it, and he hasn't lived enough life to really do another season. <laughs> we'll come back thirty years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> did you say three years or thirty? Thirty. Years? 30, 30 years. Yeah. Master of None, twenty forty nine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, I'd be all for that, but yeah, it's just it's it's one of the best shows that I've seen in a long time, and. Like it, it just resonated with me in in such a profound way, and uh, I don't get that experience that often. So, uh, yeah, I loved it. Master of None. It is on the Netflixes, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Good deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that is going to cover it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Tune in next time. We probably already have had the Shocktober Nervington episode up. Next time, we're going to have. A uh, a special episode with the uh, with Cameron Grimm and Five After Five Productions about the Man Who Loved Flowers. It's a kind of crossover episode with Tower Junkies. We already have the episode on Tower Junkies, but I'm going to throw it over here too because Cameron's a great guy and the project is really uh, really great. And I want to make sure that as many people are aware of it as possible because uh, it's a great bunch of people and it's a great short film. Um, yeah, and then after that, I don't know, probably an extended potpourri or something. Oh, or Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Come on. Yes. Crap. Yeah. It's Friday, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to see that. Yeah. We will, next week, we will review Thor Ragnarok. Are you seeing it this weekend? I hope to see it Sunday or Monday. Okay. Would you be willing to come on to talk about it? Yeah, sure. If I, okay. Well, it, well, I go to Mexico next week, so it has to be. Uh, oh. Tuesday or Wednesday, probably. You'd Skype from Mexico. Got it. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, or speaking of other things podcast related, uh, where are you at with Harry Potter and going on to I'm like Dark 20 Tower? pages away from finishing uh, Half-Blood Prince. So okay. I'll be starting book seven this week. Okay. You're it's, not going to believe what Snape does. Well, like, he, he's, you know, you got to. He, he's all right. I mean, 
he doesn't like Harry, but he can't do anything too bad, right? Oh, Feckus, your vacation's going to be ruined. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Well, he don't like kill Dumbledore. I mean, that'd be I, mean I just, I just, so thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> and thank you for having me at your Halloween party, even though I made a joke about your uh, tattoo. Um, I don't even remember it. I don't remember it either. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was actually really proud of it. So do you want to describe the new addition to your tattoo? Sure. It's uh, Yoda uh, doing like a ship in a bottle with the uh, Millennium Falcon. Yeah, very cool. Um, And my my, uh, dickhead comment, the minute I came into his home for a Halloween party was... Oh, is that the little green guy from the movie, uh, yeah, <laughs> from the movie series that keeps losing directors? <laughs> so and then I think I reminded him something about the Dark Tower. Yeah, he said he said something about the Dark Tower, and then I weeped in the corner for a long time. Yeah, made it awkward for everybody. Yeah, well, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Year. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes. And like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.